0: This is Pastor Frank at Frank's Bible Study. I just want to welcome you to this episode of Toxic Leaders, Toxic Pastors. This particular episode are for those who have been hurt in church and have felt they had to leave, and in some cases not even go back to church. So this series that I will be unpacking for those who can't or won't touch the subject So I'm just creating this particular podcast or episode so that it gives the ones who don't have a voice, a voice. So what I don't want to talk about is differences between people or differences between the leadership and a congregant or one of the other leaders in the church. This is basically something that has gone beyond just a disagreement this episode or these series of episodes that i'm making is to bring out some scenarios not all because all are different but basically it'll boil down to willful disobedience by the leadership what i mean by willful disobedience is when the leaders or the pastor or the senior pastor or whatever title they have go against the word of god full well knowing that God has given us scripture on behavior when it comes to dealing with people, especially in leadership. What I'm going to do in this uh, episode is to lay the foundations so that we can have a reference into when we're talking about this, because I don't want this to come off as just pointing finger, judgmentalism, slander, attack, blame, smear. It's not what I'm all about. I'm all about telling the truth. But there has to be a point in time where somebody has to speak up. There has to be somebody to say something to stop the abuse, because a lot of people are turned away, not from their own lust, but from people within the church. Now, the complacency that that occurs in the church with the, the willingness of people to follow leaders, whether it's a pastor, a senior pastor, a Bible teacher... Uh, anybody within the, the the fivefold ministries or anything that where it's or this orator where you have somebody speaking and, and make sense and, and so you gain the trust of the people and the people end up extending themselves out to listen to what this person is saying and trusting that they are giving them the food, the spiritual food that they need to be a a Christian to be obedient to God, to walk in righteousness, to give them tools in order to be able to manage uh, their life in Jesus Christ, to be able to be a a shining light and a shining example uh, for uh, the glory of God. That's one thing. And then in order to be able to contrast that, someone has to do it with the words of the Bible, with the heart and the intentions Is going to make all the difference in the world when pointing things like this out. Now, as we read in scripture, because I'm going to read you scripture, as we read in scripture, some of it is not all that nice, only because these are legitimate issues that are brought up. Now, the legitimacy of these issues are only because it is creating damage to the intentions of God's master plan. Now, let's go into it. The first question, and this is what I think, what everybody can ask, roughly, right around these types of questions. Number one, can we question a person's motive that God ordains, calls, gifts, or commissions? Number two, is it a sin or wrong to suspect a church leader or a pastor of some sort of misconduct? Number three, will God punish me for offending a church leader or a pastor? And I think that that, in a nutshell, these are some of the questions I think that comes out of fear because we don't know. A lot of Christians don't know the word, and the ones who do know the word are the ones who actually are speaking up. But sometimes I would say nine times out of ten, I've heard people that speak up against the leadership. They're saying the right thing, but in the wrong way. They're pointing. Out, they're pointing out the the right things, but in the wrong heart. They're questioning the right things but with the wrong motives. So let's take a look on how we see it in the Bible. And then you can kind of draw from what I'm going to give you here in Scripture so that we can have a benchmark, a reference point, as we go further into these episodes. Now this uh, Scripture here, this is when Elijah to King Ahab. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, is that you, O troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, and 450 prophets of Baal Baal, and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. So this is a king that Elijah, who who he was talking to, Ahab, King Ahab at the time, uh, was the king of Israel, and Jezebel was the—I uh, don't know if you want to call her a queen, but she definitely was a Phoenician queen. She definitely infiltrated through the the marriage of Ahab. So it, for whatever reason that Ahab uh, became who he was. Now, hindsight 2020, we know that there is an Ahab spirit and a Jezebel spirit. But this is the very first time that they're being manifested in in this point in time, as we see as the people, but obviously possessed, obviously influenced. And when you turn away from the Lord's commands and you do something completely different, that opens the inroads completely wide open so that the enemy can do with what he wills with anything that you do you're you're the host and that's exactly what's happening here so when he when you when the prophet elijah sees this he recognizes it immediately number 1 it's not of god number 2 they've turned away from god and his commandments and then now he's going to he's sitting here telling him you're trying to turn that on me, you're trying to make me the troubler of Israel, and you're the one in your own house and have turned away from God, have followed a completely different gods, and you want to sit here and call me this? So that he's talking to a king. Now, you No, know, when you think about talking to a king of Israel, you think of a completely different tone, a completely different way of speaking to him, but when you have the God, the, the king of kings, when you have God on your side and you're speaking for God, it doesn't matter who they are. They're a person who has been appointed by God, a king. God, God has given have that position in the first place, if not the people, but God still has empowered the people to be the children of Israel. So either way, God is, a, is a completely higher than any king here on earth. He appoints kings. He brings them up and he brings them down. He brings kingdoms up and he brings them down. It's very clear in scripture that that's what happens. Now, what is a leadership in a church? What is a, what is a priest in the, in the tabernacle? They're just, they're people who are appointed by God, the one who put them there. So when God speaks, it doesn't matter what your position is, you're subject to him. It's exactly what Elijah had to say, what he had to do, and the way he had to deal with these mind games that they were trying to play on him. The next one is John the Baptist to King Herod. It reads, And with many other exhortations he preached to the people, but Herod the Tetrarch being rebuked by him, concerning Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done. Also added this, above all, that he shut John up in prison. So here, John the Baptist is publicly exhorting he's preaching to the people about herod and him sleeping around with his sister-in-law and to even make it worse if you know the 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 narrative he's even lusting after his own niece to dance for him so there's a, a lot that john the baptist had to say to king herod now again another king appointed okay herod definitely wasn't a a king that was like, who knew the law and, and, and he probably knew of it, you know, and just like anybody else, just kind of a middle of the road Christian knew pretty much what the story and what it's all about, but he's not all about practicing it, but he did fear that the people thought that John the Baptist was of God. And so he didn't want to touch that. So he had a fear of God to some degree that he knew that what he saw was right but then he had his own lust that drew him away from his, his leadership that he could have for God, but that didn't happen. But John the Baptist pointed that out here. We have another prophet of God pointing out, telling him, when you go beyond God, God will definitely go beyond you. So this is what's happening here. All right. The next one about John the Baptist is to the Sanhedrin. It reads, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Doesn't sound very nice, but you know, he's right. A brood of vipers. What is a viper? A viper is a serpent, a snake that is very poisonous when they bite you. He's not talking about one. He's talking about a brood. He's talking about a bunch of them. So he's calling this the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, what I don't want to do is to criminalize Jewish people. That's not what I'm trying to do. Not trying to be anti-Semitic. In each group, okay, whether they be Christian or Jew, okay, you have these kind that are out for themselves. Okay, and then you have the kind that are obedient to God. Have to make that clear. Nowadays, they call it Orthodox, ultra Orthodox, or they'll call it Jesus freaks or Bible thumbers. They give, they give it any name they want. It's the ones who hold close to the commands of God. That, that, those are the ones that people get offended by because they tell the truth. They don't like how they live. They pick out things that they don't like socially and they say, Oh, that's why I don't go to church. Well, then don't go to church. Keep going to your lukewarm churches. But the point is, is that when you have that kind of truth resident, in your church on a regular basis. Believe me, the transparency is something that we need very, very, very badly. And to be able to be obedient to God and to his commands and the things that we are supposed to be doing, like walking in the fruit of the Spirit. So John the Baptist has no fear, speaking the truth. Now, these the Sadducees and the Pharisees are on a national level with Judaism at this time that he was speaking to them is almost identical to the federal level of our government here in the United States. It's basically the, the the religious federal level of Israel. He's the leader, but but he's a he's a leader that has deviated greatly. The Sadducees and Pharisees are the religious leaders, the ones that have the control of the religiosity or the this the the religious political aspect of the temple and the priests and of the giving and the allegiance that they hold to israel if not god at least the king so there's a lot of things and then to add the roman a political aspect to this as well makes it that much even more complicated for them to try to do it without god so this is what john the baptist is pointing out they're like saying if the king is satisfied and the Sanhedrin and and their religious is satisfied with the little bit of power that we give them. Allow them to operate in what they're doing. But what I'm going to tell them is, is you're out of pocket. You guys are just, you basically prostituted yourself out. And you guys are just, all you're doing is, is being slick and sly. And you're trying to somehow fool the people. And a lot of people at that time, a lot of Jews have bought into, into this and the allegiance to it. But yet, John the Baptist paved the way, and he says that he came, and that he was going to make the way for the Lamb of God, and which he's doing here by saying all these things Messiah is going to do. So now Jesus, he has a thing, something to say to the Sanhedrin as well. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs which indeed appear beautiful outwardly but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness so jesus doesn't spare them either he calls them hypocrites in other words they say one thing and do another they act trying they're trying to act godly but they're not so jesus gives a metaphor here in those days they buried their dead in tombs Uh, the ones who could afford it. And they're basically, they painted them white. It appears to be clean, I guess, for the reason for it. And you whitewash a tomb. It looks good on the outside. And so on the inside, of course, it has the dead men's bones. That's where this comes from. And so, but this is saying what you're like. On the outside, you look holy. You're wearing, you know, your hats and your robes and, you know, all these fancy things that you're wearing but on the inside, you're corrupt. Your heart is corrupt. It's dark. You're making the church a business. You're making the word of God fit your agenda. And then when somebody gets complacent like that, and they consistently have the ability to usurp, undermine the scriptures for for years and year after year, and God will give them a season. And then someone will come in and mess that up mix it up. Call people and have them be responsible for their actions. And then that person gets ostracized. Okay. And is the reason why church policy is more important than scripture. And you could say all you want, oh, the church policy was written on scripture and is written on scriptural principles. Yeah. But if it's not the scripture, you could break church policy and bend it to mean whatever you want, but you can't do that to scripture. And you could try to do that to Scripture unless you have a brave Bible teacher, a brave prophet, a brave evangelist, a brave pastor to say different according to what the Bible actually means, what God intended it to be applied in application to the church and to people. So I think it's safe to say there are a few Scriptures in the Bible about leadership and leaders that are toxic and poisonous. Now what I mean by that is to the people because you have people in charge. And what they're doing is they are forcing their ideas on people and making it sound biblical or godly or righteous when it's not even in the Bible. But there's a process of time where the wearing down of wills, the wearing down of definitions and and dulling the ears, dulling the hearing, constantly indoctrinating people with Man, man-centered ideas that sound religious, using the same words in the terminology. And this is what turns into poison. In the beginning, it has to be godly because people flock to that. And then all of a sudden, it'll start to little by little, not at once, but little by little. Like I the examples that I gave, it's like you're not going to notice one ant or two ants crawling on you, but you'll notice a thousand, but it creeps on you. You don't know it until there's too many on you. Then you're like, oh my gosh, I got ants all over me. Well same thing with like a, a diesel truck. If you see a diesel truck coming a mile away, that's not a threat. You know, half a mile away, it's not a threat. Quarter mile away, it's still not a threat, but it's starting to become one. 500 yards away, 200 yards away, 100 yards away, you better get out of the way. So you could see it coming or you could just be complacent and just say it's not a big deal. And that's what happens over a period of time. Time is always the one that will tell how long somebody is, whether or not they are faithful to the Lord or not. It's like carrying a 50 pound weight over your head. How long can you hold it over your head until you drop it or put it down or it drops on your head? It's not going to take long. Give people enough time and you're going to see what they're all about, especially leaders. The point of calling out leadership it's not to have a spiritual upper hand or leverage. It's not, it's not what this is about. It's not I'm not trying to do that and get some kind of a power against them, but to uphold the righteousness and the holiness of God. This action of boldly proclaiming God's word is one of the armor-bearing natures of a prophet of God. The structure of the now think about this. The structure of the first century church is perfect. I'm going to re-emphasize that. The structure of the first century church is perfect perfect because god ordained it by the holy spirit okay but before that took shape the priesthood the temple the sacrificial system that god also ordained by his presence think about this in the holy of holies okay in the tabernacle in the wilderness before they built the first temple that solomon that God had told David to have his son build it. Before the first temple was built, they had a mobile temple, the tabernacle. And in the Holy of Holies, there was a cloud by day and fire by night. Okay, Numbers chapter nine. The tabernacle that's told in the Torah narrative, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Read it, look it up. If you think that the Church of Jesus Christ, the, the, the Church, and I'm talking about Mormons, if you're talking about the, the Church of Christ, okay, in the first century, was a first of its kind, no, it's a, it's a continuance. All we see is a continuance of what God ordained through His Spirit, okay? It is a place for the ecclesia, the people to gather, they continue to gather in His name, in the Holy Spirit, and to go and evangelize out to the world. That's what this was about. There's a lot more to it. I'm only putting this in a nutshell, but if for those who understand, know what I'm talking about. Research this for those who don't know. The tabernacle and the church, the Messiah coming into the world, Jesus Christ, death, burial, or resurrection, the birth of the first church. It's just a continuance, and it's never lost its effectiveness or meaning. So Exodus 12 is where god's plan picked up momentum so in genesis to exodus 12 in between there we we see the narrative of how things are unfolding exodus 12 is where it really really starts to pick up so the details of the passover the tabernacle the priesthood and the sacrificial system comes pesach shavuot sukkot and others the the, the observances or we'll call it holidays or whatever but the observances of the jews there's more in scripture, but this is how they came about. And Jesus Christ is in all of them. So these are not trivial scriptures. Everything I read to you, they're not, they shouldn't be trivialized, but sometimes they are. For people who are ignorant, they trivialize these scriptures like, yeah, 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 that's not a, that doesn't, it's not a big deal. It's just, you know, other readings. No, it's not. It's the leading up to the coming of Messiah. So since God ordained it and commanded it, we are to recognize it. Jesus said so in Luke chapter 24, read the whole chapter, see where he points to. He points back to the Torah. He points back to the, to the writings, the prophets, even names, uh, the, the book of Psalms throughout the course of the entire Torah, which is from Genesis to Deuteronomy came the law 613 to be exact. You have the original 10 that God gave on Sinai, and then the ones that came after the civil and ceremonial and the social aspect of Israel as they are being corrected through the life of Moses, 10 plus 603, 613. The law was given because it would stand for the rest of human history for all time. The only way, is that Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away before one jot or one tittle passes away from the uh, from the from the law so so that that's god's word so so it, it's not irrelevant it's very relevant to our behavior and references to righteous behavior holy behavior god has given this for that reason to point out this is what we are not doing or this is what we should be doing or what we are doing according to his righteousness according to his holiness So the law is the reference to how to behave in front of God in your heart. The raw truth is, Christians generally are ignorant of God's commandments, His instructions, or teachings from His scripture. This being said, our hearts are unlearned and undisciplined for a good heart. Here's one for you. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. When ignorance... Think about this when ignorance is a standard in any church, it's breathing into a paper bag the same oxygen year after year, metaphorically speaking so if if your Bible teacher, your pastor is limited in his understanding of the scriptures, you're only gonna get the same scriptures over and over and over. Not that that's not good, but then if you that's like taking something out of context, that's like taking you know. 20 books out of the Bible and saying, oh, this is what the whole Bible means when you still have another 20, when you're only spoon feeding them, say, since there's 66 books, you're only spoon feeding them 33 and the other 33 you're leaving out, especially the ones that is not jiving with the pastor's intellect or his ability to learn or his agenda and the how they would see things. The entire counsel of God is important to learn, specific for for a pastor, the one who's leading people. And it comes all out of love. It's what he asked Peter. He said, Peter, do you love me? He said, yes. He said, feed my sheep. He said, Peter, yes. Do you love me? Yes, feed my sheep. And he asked a third time, Peter, do you love me? He said, oh, Lord, you know, you know that I love you. He all then feed my sheep. There is no shortage of behavior-based instructions from God. There is so much scripture and how we are to appear to be inside and outside to God. If we haven't read the first five books of the Bible to understand it, we will not know how to be true leaders of God. Most issues that arise in churches are from not knowing how to behave in submission to the holy spirit of god's words a pointed example of the qualifications of church leadership first timothy chapter three comes from the torah go back and read it first timothy chapter three it's the qualifications of church leadership but that all those are what was, what's being written in first timothy chapter three is basically commentary if not explanation Through the Holy Spirit given to Gentile churches, Gentile people, people who don't know the Torah. So they have to be given this to explain. It's an explainer, but it's definitely the Holy Spirit because it's scripture. Ignorance is not an option if you're going to lead people in a spiritual manner because you're leading them into worship and to service to a righteous God. So we must be exemplary in all ways as servant leaders. Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith, test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? This is part one of toxic leaders and toxic pastors. This is Pastor Frank, Frank's Bible Study. God bless.